0: Amen. Well, give two people a high five. Tell them they look good in church and you can be seated. If you're watching us online, I just want to say thanks for tuning in. Lots of people watch all over the world, both live and then our replays as well. But I do want to extend an invitation. If you're ever in Texas in the College Station area, why don't you come out to a New Heights Church service live? I promise you, we'll make you feel right at home. Come on, give them a hand, y'all. Tell them we love them. All right. Somebody say knock, knock. Knock, knock. Who's there? (laughs) Open your Bible to Revelation chapter number three, verse number 20. We'll start there in a second. But I want to start with with a knock, knock joke, okay? Because I sent out a message this past week and, and asked everybody to send me their best, clean, knock, knock joke. And, and lots of people sent them and some of them were funny and some of them, I I tried to laugh, but I couldn't praise the Lord, (laughs) but I want to tell you a a knock, knock joke just to start with. And knock, knock jokes only work with great participation, right? So when I say knock, knock, what do you say? Oh, wow. Y'all know how to do it. Cool. All right, here we go. Ready? Knock, knock, little old lady. I didn't know you could yodel (laughs) and I told this one first service and Jake told me it wasn't funny, but I'm going to tell it again. Praise the Lord. Knock, knock, Mary, mariachi band. I see Jake said he got baptized a few years ago. I'm not sure if I mentioned it. Uh, before, but it was a, there was a phenomenon that took place. We put him in the water and the water turned black. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. Matter of fact, Jake is our First Touch director. Can we give all of our First Touch team a big hand? All right. Revelation 3 and 20 says this. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him, I'll sup with him. And that is not like saying, what's up? That's saying, I'll have dinner with him. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, lounge with them. I'll, I'll be with them. I'll eat with them and he with me. The first door and the most important door that you'll ever open in your life is the door to your heart. The scripture says he stands at the door and knocks. doesn't say he kicks it in. doesn't say that he uh, uh, causes it to open. The Bible says that he knocks and we have to open the door and let Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, come and reside on the inside of our heart. The scripture says that he wants to come in and dine with us. In other words, his intention is not just eternal life which would have been enough, but his intention is to live life with you. His intention is to be closer than your best friend or your favorite family member is to you so that you know in every difficult situation he is with you and refuses to leave you. But the first step is you have to open the door that he's knocking on. Somebody say, open the door. And when you become a Christian, now Jesus lives on the inside of you. Things begin to shift. But there is a decision now that you have to make based off where you're going to reside. In the big picture, uh, on planet Earth, we have uh, pretty much two different characteristics of the environment that most people are living in. You have what we call the world, and then you have the kingdom of God. Somebody say kingdom. You have the world and you have the kingdom of God. So when I say world uh, today and for the next uh, 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 the next uh, portion of this series, when you when you hear me say the world, I'm not just talking about planet Earth. I'm not just talking about the Atlantic Ocean and all the continents and all those things. I'm talking about the distinct dissection between those that are blood bought, those that are born again, those that are set apart, those that have asked God to forgive them of their sins, and by the power of the blood of His only begotten Son, He does so, and those who have not called on the name of the Lord. Because the the dissection between the world and the kingdom is such that you can be in the exact same geographical location, but it be experiencing two completely different worlds. Two completely different worlds. So when it comes to life, you have to make the decision to cross over even in this life to begin to live after the kingdom way of doing things because you are in this world, but you are not of this world. You are set apart for a purpose, but there's something that you have to cross over. And I want to get to it quickly. The something that you need to cross over is you need to cross over the threshold of the kingdom of God. In other words, uh, If you're in the Bryan College Station area, you know this. It has rained approximately 8,567,000 inches in the last month. And you might be standing at your property, your house, your apartment, wherever you live. And you could be experiencing everything that the world is throwing at you. But the moment you cross over this small four inch threshold, all of a sudden you are now still in the world, but you are no longer of the world. You see what I'm saying? So the dissection is an experience based off of whose you are, not necessarily where you are you can be in the exact same area and be experiencing things differently. That doesn't mean that the rain won't come. It means when the rain comes, it has something that will stop it from having the ultimate effect that it wants to have on your life because you are not living your life based off of the world's inclination or the world's ideologies. You're literally going say, you're literally saying, I understand that the storms are coming. I'm just telling you, I'm in a completely different place than I'm I used to be. I understand the issues may be there, but I'm in a completely different situation than I used to be. Because the truth of it is, is this, you will never, you can write this down if you're brave. You'll never experience the fullness of what God has for you with one foot in and one foot out. I am not. In the kingdom and I am not in the world. I am stuck somewhere in the middle and one of the most dangerous scriptures in the whole Bible is if he finds you to be lukewarm, he will spit you out. You'll never experience everything that God has for you until you decide to go fully into the kingdom's philosophies. In other words, you gotta get in. And the next thing you got to do is you got to stay in. You gotta stay when the big bad wolf comes and says, I'm gonna huff, I'm gonna puff, I'm gonna blow your house down. You gotta stay when the storms of life are raging at you. You gotta stay when you don't understand it. You gotta stay when you can't explain it. You gotta stay when you're not seeing what God said come to pass. You gotta stay inside kingdom response, kingdom mentality, kingdom thought process. Because there is a day coming, the Bible says, if you won't grow weary and well doing you're going to reap somebody give God a hand of praise if you're willing to stay the course so I want to give just just a few keys okay just a few keys as to why we don't get in somebody say get in in. somebody say "Stay stay in I want to give a few keys why we don't get in and stay in and I just want you to know some of these might hurt a little bit number one if you're taking notes Luke chapter 10, starting in verse number 38. The scripture says, it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received Jesus into her house. She had a sister named Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet. Listen to this. And heard his word. Somebody say, heard his word. word. But Martha was cumbered about serving and came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister left me to serve alone? Tell her that she should help me. Did you know that what your neighbor does or doesn't do does not affect who you are in Christ? Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you're careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part. Your Bible might say the best part, which shall not be taken away from her. She chose the best part. What was the best part? The Bible says she heard his word. And the Bible also teaches that his word will never return empty to you. So Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet listening to what he has to say. Martha's saying, but we got too much to do. Cinderella, Cinderella. <laughs> Trying to get everything right. Sometimes we don't go all in for God. Number one, write this down. Because we're too busy. Now you need to hear this with the right heart. I would never condone a lazy lifestyle. And anybody who knows me knows I would never, I wouldn't even tolerate that around me in the world of business or otherwise. But when you do not strategically rest to hear the word of God, you are showing God that you don't trust him to perform his word. Many times we find ourselves stuck One foot in, one foot out, because we never take time to hear what the Lord wants to say. There are things in your life you're going to have to go through. There's things in my life I'm going to have to go through. But there's certain things that one word from God can ransom you from before you even get there can help you with a decision, can help you with an ideology. The Bible says that Martha, she was doing everything she could do, but sometimes we just got to say, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to hit the clutch for a minute. For all those who used to drive a stick, you know what I'm talking about? I'm going to hit a cl- I'm going to hit the clutch for a minute. Because I don't want to do all these things in the natural and miss the supernatural. The Bible says that Martha was distracted, but Mary sat at Jesus' feet, and the best part will not be taken. Number two, somebody say number two. We're too busy. And number two, oftentimes, we're too ashamed. Oh, it just got heavy in here. I just felt the whole thing shift. See, when you get saved, the Bible says very clearly, you can look it up, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, says you're a new creature or a new creation in Christ Jesus. All your old life passes away, and you become everything is made new. Somebody say new. So you can't go to God acting like He's looking at you. Based off what you've done. He's looking at you. Based off what Jesus did for you. He said you can boldly go before the throne. And make your request known to him. You say I get that preacher. I understand. But but I'm a Christian. And I, I've served God. Who in here is already a Christian? Just wave at me. You're already convinced that Jesus is the way. The truth and the life. Three of y'all. That's great. The other side of it. Is what happens when you're a Christian and you still slip up. See, you think you felt shame before you knew Jesus. But the devil really brings it at you whenever you're saved. And then you cuss somebody out in traffic. Jake. (laughs) This is when the real shame, when, when you lose it again. When you find yourself doing exactly what you said you were not going to do, when you find yourself saying exactly what you said you wouldn't say, when you get caught up in that cycle of gossip again, when you get caught up in returning back to that thing that God delivered you from, and then the devil, he starts doing this right here. He starts, he starts coming to your door because you said, that's it. I'm, 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 I'm never going to do it again. I'm never going to do it again. And then you get inside and all of a sudden you're in, you're in nice and secure in the kingdom. And then you hear the knock on the door you answer the door and you say yes and all of a sudden it's the enemy of god bringing up everything you did you said you'd never do again and he begins to say i thought you were a christian I would have, you can't do that. You're a Christian. You never should have done that. You're not a real Christian. And all of a sudden you're getting baited and all of a sudden you begin to cross the threshold to now you start to go through things the way the world does. And when you first got saved, you thanked him because you knew the blood of Jesus was the only thing that could atone for your sins. But now that you're a Christian, you start thinking the weight of the world is on my shoulders. That's because the enemy's just saying, get back out here. Get back out here. But the Bible says very clearly, it says the just may fall seven times, but you and me, those who have been justified by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, come on, we may fall down, but we don't stay down. Somebody give God a hand of praise if you're not gonna be coaxed. You're not going to be lured back out again. No, no, no. Here, here, here. Let me, let me paint a different environment for you. You're at the same situation. You've crossed the threshold. You're in the kingdom. You're living this thing out to the best of your ability. And all of a sudden you get a knock on the door and all of a sudden the enemy begins to remind you of everything you did on Monday that you swore on Sunday you would never do. I want you to look him back in his twisted face and tell him, you may be looking at me through those eyes, but I've got a savior who looks at me not through that, but he looks looks at me through a blood-stained cross, I tell you this just like he said, get behind me, Satan. You've come to the wrong house. Stop carrying shame with you. I would never condone sin. Sin tramples the blood of Jesus under our feet. But don't agree with the devil when you've messed up. When you've missed the mark, that is the moment to remind yourself who you belong to. That is the moment. Did you know the prodigal son was never not called a son? The name of the parable is the prodigal son. In other words, in that moment, the Bible says as soon as he came to himself... He began to make his way back to his father's house only to find his father rushing towards him. Can we give God a hand of praise? We serve a God that refuses to leave us stuck in shame. Number one, we get too busy. And I know how it feels. We feel like there's only 24 hours in a day. I gotta do it, I gotta do it. I gotta get everything done. I gotta make it happen, I gotta make it happen. Listen, you can miss some stuff that God's trying to do in your life if you don't build some rest into your equation number two we get too ashamed we we begin to believe the lies of the enemy that somehow God has stopped delivering us which is never true number three somebody said number three now this one here it really might hit home just looking around I I see a lot of very intelligent people so this is something for each one of us to pay attention to very carefully because it's a trip hazard that's somewhat subtle but it will keep you from living all in in the kingdom life. The first thing that happens is we end up getting too busy. The next thing that happens we end up living in shame. And the third thing we end up thinking we're too smart. Look at your neighbor and say he's talking to you. <laughs> We think we're too smart and it doesn't start off negative. It's not an arrogant thing. We just like to figure everything out. But the thing is in God, when it comes to faith, you're not going to be able to figure everything out. Can I, can I say it differently? There are things that have happened to you that you may never get a reasonable explanation for on this side of heaven. Somebody may have died early. And you go, why is that? The Bible says the secret things belong to God. There are some things you're just going to have to cast on him. The Bible says cast your cares on him because he cares for you. Could you imagine being God and hearing all of his creation's prayers simultaneously? And having to work all of it out. The secret things belong to him. The minute we start thinking we have to figure every little thing out is the moment we're outside of faith. And the Bible says without faith you can't even please God. There's going to have to be a portion of your life where you can't see the answer in order for faith to actually work. And this is where God shows himself strong. We can't get to the place where our head gets in the way of our heart receiving what God's trying to do. Sometimes it can be as simple as responding to a word from God. Sometimes it can be as simple as responding to a message, a, a preacher uh, uh, exhorting what the Bible says and declaring what the Bible says, and, and something on the inside of you is stirred up, but your mind's going, well, why am I so stirred up? I mean, I've already known that. It doesn't make any sense to me to be so stirred up now. I know what the Bible says, but something's happening when that preacher's preaching. The reason is because the Bible said, through the foolishness of preaching, those that would, be, those that would believe would be saved. I don't know why he chose to do it. But I'm glad cuz I are one. The Bible says through 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 the foolishness of preaching people would believe. In other words, just just watch this. Let me give you a case in point. When I start talking like this, something moves on the inside of you. He is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. He's the great I am. He's the soon returning king. He's your Galilean savior. Death, hell, and the grave couldn't hold him back. And death, hell, and the grave can't touch you. Something on the inside of you began. I don't know why he chose to do it that way. But it's the foolishness of preaching that causes people to believe. If you're not passionate about the things of God, what in the world are you passionate about? The Bible says foolish things confound the wise. That's why God can use anybody to do anything that he tells them to do. But the moment you stop being contrary to what the word of God says, when it comes to your belief factor, you have hit the roadblock on how far you can go in the kingdom of God. The minute you decide that you have to figure everything out for yourself is the minute you get outside of faith. The first thing that we find out is we're too busy and it happens to all of us. Bless God. It's happened to me. I've woken up and I'm going, man. I'm I'm just doing it. I, I, everything's going, everything's going, and then then I realize I haven't heard the voice of God in a month. And I go, oh my goodness, Lord, what what have I done? I just I want to get to that place where I'm willing to to recognize an opportunity to sit at His feet. One of my favorite songs says it says, I want to sit at His feet, drink from the cup in His hand, lay back against You and breathe. Feel your heartbeat This love is so deep It's more than I can stand I melt in your peace It's overwhelming See, see, with my children and my wife I love all the conversation I love it when we're doing stuff But there's something about When they crawl up in the chair with you And they sit in your lap And you feel them close to you Some of you parents know exactly what I'm talking about because you're like, how'd you get to be so hot, little kid? (laughs) I know you're 98.6, but you're more like 906 right now. (laughs) Those are some of the most precious time. He says, anybody that'll open the door, I don't just come in. I want to come in and sit with you. I want to come in and be with you. See, we can't get too busy that we miss it. We can't let shame keep us out. And we can't let our head get in the way of our heart. Sometimes it's just a simple response to the word of God that changes every single factor of your life. These are three things that keep you from living fully in the kingdom, half in, half out, lukewarm. One foot in, one foot out. The Bible says to not choose is to have chosen. Let me say it differently. Most people fail to recognize to not make a decision is a decision to not make a decision. The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. No, if you're in 2019 going to experience everything That God has for you. You're going to have to stop standing. Over the threshold. And you're going to have to. Get in. And stay in. These are the three areas. That most of us miss it. And I want to tell you why. It's so important. The Bible says in 1 Peter. Chapter 5. Verse number 8. Says your adversary. Is going about. About. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking who he may devour. Seeking who he may destroy. Seeking who he can overtake. Seeking who he can cause to stumble. He said he's like a roaring lion. I don't know if you've ever seen the safaris on on television or the the shows on the nature channel, what the lions are looking for because they stay hungry. They're constantly trying to consume. They're constantly trying to find a gazelle that they can bring down. But what they look for is they look for one that is separated from the herd. Because the minute it gets separated... Now the lion can get a bead on one. Because what happens with you and me, when we get separated, we start to get heart sick. And when we get heart sick, we start believing the lie. The enemy knocks. We step out. He said, nobody can understand what you're going through. And we begin to believe that we're the only one Who's in pain. He said nobody can understand you. Your husband doesn't understand you. Nobody's. They have a perfect marriage. And yours is ruined. And the further you get. Outside the threshold. The more the enemy has you in his sights. And before you know it. You realize. He's chewing on you. But it's because we've stepped out of the kingdom's threshold. We have itemized ourselves as a target. Oh, are you saying that nothing will happen to me? No, I'm not saying. I'm. You get in the kingdom. You stay in the kingdom. You're still going to have some battles. But there's some battles you're not supposed to go through. There's some things you're not supposed to have to endure. No, the adversary is out to get you like a lion. But you and me, we've got to purposely stay so committed to getting in and staying in that he can never individually point us out and say, there's one that's heartsick and alone. Because the minute you put yourself out there, now all of a sudden he can see you. He can pursue you. And if something doesn't change, he'll devour you. We find ourselves in a place where we're too busy. We're too ashamed. We try to outthink everything. Try to overanalyze everything. Now we should still be wise. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The more wisdom you get, the less miracles you'll actually need. But I don't ever want to be at a place where everything God says to me has to pass the filter of my understanding. If he says jump, I'm just going to jump. Don't be lured out into the world because what the enemy wants to do is get you alone. The body of Christ, the church, is not man's plan, it's God's plan. Because... When you make the decision to be in the house of God, you're doing like Mary. You're sitting at Jesus' feet. Hearing the word of God. Having your whole life changed. One word of God can change your entire life. Let me give you just a few things. that will help us. Somebody say, get in in." and stay stay in. Number one, you're already doing it. Be in the house of God. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to have faith to please God. The more you hear the word of God, the more your faith increases. The more your faith increases, the more you slam the door in the devil's face every time he knocks. If you haven't done it already, take our one month challenge. Be in the house of God every weekend. For one month and see what the difference it makes in your life. And if you really want to be crazy like me, decide today, every Sunday morning, as long as I have breath in my lungs, every Sunday morning, first morning of the first day of the week, I'm giving that to God. I'm going to be in the house of God. Long as I'm alive. Now, I'm not saying we don't go on vacation or otherwise. I'm saying normal life. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm... Where are you going to be the second Sunday in March? I'm going to be at New Heights. How do you know? It's the first morning or the first day of the week. Why are you doing that? Because I don't just uh, uh, I don't just look to God and tell Him I think you're important. I want my life to show that He's important. You're reminding the devil. You're reminding your family. You're reminded, God, you are number one in my life. Amen. Another thing you can do, real strong around here, you can join a life group. The Bible says, iron sharpens iron. Well, I, I don't know anybody. I don't want to, I'm not that good at meeting anybody. Let me tell you something. You're going to have to put yourself out there a little bit. Show yourself friendly, the Bible says. You can go to our website, you can find a life group. Our semester's about to start off again. Have things from from college age all the way to people older than that, praise the Lord. But iron sharpens iron. The Bible says we're supposed to rejoice with each other when it's time to rejoice. And we're supposed to cry with each other when it's time to cry. That's because there's power when we get together because the devil wants you alone because he can get you alone. Now he can get a beat on you. He'll try to devour you. But instead, if you stay in the pack and say, no, 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 I'm not going to forsake the gathering together of the redeemed, of the saints. I'm going to be in the right place, the right time, the best of my ability. I can't tell you what a difference it'll make in your life. In other ways, you join our first touch team. Amen. Our first touch team all of our volunteers. You say, well, what, what does that mean? I mean, the parking team, the children's ministry. Matter of fact, if you have kids in our children's ministry at all, I strongly recommend you serve in the children's ministry because what you'll see back there will change your life. We're teaching all the children. Jesus loves you and he wants to be your best friend forever. They believe it. There's miracles that happen every week right back there. We see kids' lives change." We see healings. All kind of powerful, powerful things happening. But what you do when you serve the house of God, what you make happen for God's house, He will make happen for your house. You find a way to the first. You can get all this information. at the light wall. No problem. But I'm just trying to give you some, some fundamental, practical things you can do that can get you off the threshold. Get in. And stay in. Why do you mean stay in? Because you're going to have a reason to be drawn out. The devil's going to try to convince you. He'll give you every reason under the sun to not serve God. And most of them will sound reasonable. Analytically. Well, if I just spent four hours on Sunday morning, I could get all my emails done and it would be perfect. Okay, Martha, sweep up. Well, no, what I can do is I can mow my yard and I can get that done, and then I'll have more time for my family. Okay, Martha. Because what happens when the Word of God gets on the inside of you, it's a seed that begins to grow. Let me just say this, and I, I know everybody has their own story, and I tend to tell a lot of my own. The reason I tell my own because I don't know yours, but I never got up that I remember on a Sunday morning and said to my parents, are we going to church today? I might've said it, but it was never a question. In Crystal and I's life, we have three kids and long before we had children, it was never a question. The only reason I say that is because there's not one thing in my life that I can pinpoint that has been more influential than making the house of God a priority in my life. That means I have literally heard thousands and thousands of sermons. Thousands of sermons. What does that do for you? The Bible says, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. The Bible calls the word of God, the water of the word. That means through these ears, these ears of this East Texas boy, got in the the water of the word of God, got deep on the inside of me and lots of time what's flowing out of me in a service just like this is something that began as a seed when I was five, six, seven, eight years old. Just the word of God. Because the word of God is more powerful than anything you will come in contact with this side of heaven. Our first touch team is a great one. The one-month challenge is great. A life group. I'll give you one more. Everybody say one more. One more. If you've never been baptized. The Israelites, they were, they were held captive in Egypt for 400 years, nearly 400 years. And the Bible said God delivered him. And what was cool is he said, take the blood of a spotless lamb. Doesn't that sound familiar? He said, take the blood of a spotless lamb because death is coming tonight. And I want you to take the blood of that lamb. And I want you to put some of the blood on the top of the door. And I want you on the door frame. And I want you to put some of the blood on the side of the doorpost. And I want you to put some of the blood on the other side of the doorpost. Now, undoubtedly, when they did this, the blood obviously started at the head here and it probably ran down that door like that. Going all the way down and dripping down into the dust of the earth. Then when they put it on the doorpost, undoubtedly, it began to make a picture of a blood-stained cross. Because the Bible says that Jesus, he had a crown of thorns on his head. He had a nail in one hand and a nail in the other. And then the Bible says that they drove a nail through his feet too. So when death came calling and looked down at the different houses, he didn't pass over the houses that nobody had done anything wrong. He passed over the houses that were securely hidden behind a bloodstained cross. In other words, he didn't cross over or excuse me, pass over that house because they were sinless. He passed over that house because the blood of the lamb had already paid the price for that home. Now, the scripture says that they walked out of that home and the only way that they could walk out of that home was they had to go through the image of that bloodstained cross. Now, I always wondered, why didn't God tell him to just paint the door with the blood? The reason he didn't tell him to paint the door with the blood is because later Jesus would say, I am the door. So what happened is you and me, when we pass through, when we, when, when death passes over our life, it passes over to set us free. And we walk out of where we were through the bloodstained cross that Jesus, that Jesus Christ hung on himself. And literally we go through the door of Christ into the world itself to make a difference. The Bible said that they began to come out after passing through that bloodstained doorway. And the first thing that happened is they came to the Red Sea, a great- great big body of water that was blocking them from going any further. And all of a sudden, they look back in Pharaoh and all of his chariots were coming to kill him because they didn't want them to be free. And the Bible says that Moses lifted up his staff and he pointed at the water. He said, water, get out of my way. And just like uh, uh, an amazing miracle that we've all heard about as children, the water stacked up on one side and it stacked up on the other side. And the Israelites began to walk through the water towards the promised land while their adversaries was pursuing them. The difference is is when they got through the water all the way to the other side the adversary said well there's some dry ground I'm going to chase them and he decided he was going to go into the water with them but as soon as everybody got to the other side that had passed through that blood stained cross all of a sudden the water collapsed on their adversary in other words when you get water baptized you may go through the water but what has been trying to kill you stays in the water my god that's good preaching for such a young preacher when you get water baptized the bible says that you are clothed or enveloped in christ jesus that means all of a sudden the enemy when he looks at you he sees the blood of jesus when God looks at you and you pray and you say, in Jesus' name, it sounds like Jesus said it himself. Because you're the righteousness of God in Christ. But when you decide to get water baptized, now all of a sudden you're deciding, no, I'm going all in. Why, why is this so important? Because it's a public display. The Bible says, if you're ashamed of me in front of people, I'm going to be ashamed of you in front of my dad." Yikes. You can get all your friends and family to come watch and be baptized. They might not come, to, they might not come to a miracle healing and victory service, but if you say, Hey, it'd mean a lot to me if you'd come watch me get baptized. You bring them in here. We may have to sit on the roof judging by the way things are going, but praise the Lord. You bring them in here. Let me tell you what either me or whoever's speaking that night will do. We'll preach the word of God. I'll begin to declare a thing. And through the foolishness of preaching, they'll believe and be saved. Come on, give God a big hand of praise today. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.